Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say... What is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. How are you? I've got no complaints. It's Annie's birthday today, so I've just been spoiling the love of my life. Uh, that's very nice. Happy birthday. I shot her a happy birthday text. I'm sure she appreciated it. I do like that. You told me the dinner might be deep dish pizza from pizza. Hut. Well, that's right. Because we, we got extravagant. We had like some $18 smoothie this morning that people have been Instagramming about, which was quite delicious, kind of turns your mouth black. And then I immediately had to go home and shut myself in the bathroom for a half an hour. As you do, as you do. But then we went to this really great restaurant, uh, Republique, and had brunch. Uh, the whole purpose of going there was to get Annie's like favorite chocolate cake in the world. But we realized, like, because we'll have smoothies in the morning anyway, and the whole point is they're like full of protein, and they really like keep you full for many hours. But within like an hour and a half of having these eighteen dollars smoothies. I had obviously cleared out everything I'd eaten for the last 72 hours, and he had not. But we both found that we were, like, starving. So then we go and we have the brunch, and the brunch is very yummy and savory, um, satisfying. And we're done eating, and it's like, we're not hungry anymore. But, like, whatever was in the smoothie, which included, like, charcoal, Oh, just created I mean, you are just so la it's, it's you so are la so la oh, dude. i mean eating charcoal you had to go to Erewhon to get the smoothie oh, and i'm i'm God. pretty sure i'm pretty sure there was a kardashian involved with the creation of this smoothie but it created this sensation in our stomach which we never had before which was even after a full brunch it wasn't hunger but our our tummies were like full of expectation like, okay, hmm. and now what's next? And we just feel like charcoal in your stomach. Like, I only know charcoal in stomachs is good for when your dog eats too much chocolate and yeah, you make sure throw up. Yeah, it, it like, and it lines your your intestines so the, the poison of the chocolate doesn't get into the dog's blood system. So I don't really know what's going on, but if I pass out midway through this podcast, you'll know it had something to do with charcoal. Well, let's also make this clear for people that don't know, because no one knows what Erwan is. Erwan 
is the most pretentious, <laughs> expensive, ridiculous L.A. grocery store that you could possibly imagine. It is the opposite of Marsh back it in the is, day. It is the dickhead older brother of Whole Foods. Yeah, I mean, but like, they would be insulted at Erwan if you told them that they were being compared in any way to Whole Foods. But th that's how me, that's how pretentious they are. Yeah, I, but I just feel they're a smaller, even more expensive version of Whole Foods. Yeah, it, it is. So I like that you're balancing a smoothie from Erwan with deep dish from Pizza Hut, bringing yeah. you back to your roots a little bit. Yeah, we're going to get gross and watch scary movies with the kids. Uh, let's give a shout out because there was a great event this last weekend at Community Ford Lincoln in Bloomington. So as always, we are powered by communitycars.com sponsor of the podogenesterics.com illusion engines talk with water and fade out Jalen Hood Shafino and Sydney Parrish both went to Community Ford Lincoln at uh, South Walnut in Bloomington, where they signed autographs for a few hundred fans that showed up. And Amazing. It was an awesome event. Evan Martin uh, told me it was great. He brought in a food truck. He brought in coffee. Uh, everybody seemed to have a blast. Sydney and Jalen had a great time. They texted me afterwards. They loved connecting to the fans, took a lot of pictures, signed a lot of autographs raise some money for NIL going forward for both programs. So that's great. But just an awesome event where they got to connect to the community, which is what we always wanted NIL to be at its best. And, uh, and man, are we getting close to the season? Buddy boy, I tell you, it's as we start to talk about, you know, oh, the different lineups and what are we hearing, like coming out of practice and all that kind of stuff. And, and we were doing it today. We were starting to lay down like expectations. And I mean, it is, it is virtually impossible if you have a pulse not to be bought in on the hype at this point. Yeah. Look, let's talk about your expectations because you said three and one out of the four big games. So Arizona, Kansas, I, North Carolina, Xavier. Uh, Xavier wasn't part of the conversation. So I said, oh. I said, we need to win two out of the three. We Got go it. into the conference uh, ranked in the top 10 and we stay there all season. Okay. And, but for that to happen, we have to beat Xavier. Sure. Yes. Yes. So, so you think we're going to win three of those four games? Which game do you think we lose? And 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 let's get into it. I mean, I think it's Kansas, ranked number five in the country, going to their home court. But you think we beat number one North Carolina in Bloomington? You're framing this as what, like, I think will logically happen. I was presenting it as this is what I want to happen. Sure. Yeah, um, well, but, we all, I want us to go 4 0. But here, I think we should beat Arizona and Xavier. I do. Now, then I think uh, those two other games, number one team in the country, on our court, number five uh, in their home court, uh, I, I do. I think we can win one of those two. I saw Bob Kravitz, who just seems like an asshole, truthfully. I don't know anything about him, but he like spends a tweet saying, like, Indiana's ranked 13th in the AP poll that just came out, right? Isn't that where we're ranked, 13th? I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, I think we're ranked 13th in the AP poll. He's like, they haven't been good in six years. These, these expectations are way out of bounds. Like, they're way over-expect, over, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? The expectations are too much. That's not the word he used, but I'm struggling with English right now. Yeah, over expectation isn't isn't right. isn't a thing. That's <laughs> not a thing. Well, I think with I feel like Kravitz is like the the um the poor man's Doyle, right? Like he's very much, he's doing op-ed for The Athletic now, and he always injects himself and his personal uh, stories or stakes into it, and he has this sort of false self-deprecation where he's like, oh, yeah, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Just ask my wife, but then goes on for a couple of paragraphs about how he does know everything. Of course. Um, so I think it's he's I didn't really read him much back more in his indie star days, but I think at this point he's in he's in on the clickbait journalism. Like, let me say some some stuff either way one way or way the other way. And it depends on how the Colts do or I'm sure here shortly how the Hoosiers do on which side of the argument he's taking. I, I have to say, though, his argument about like we haven't been ranked or haven't been good in six years. Who cares? Like. Before the number one ranked team in the country, number one seed, Cody Zeller, Vic Oladipo, Watford, Hulls team, we were shit too for a while. Who cares? Like that, what you did, what the rankings were the years before are meaningless when looking at what is your team this year versus the teams that are out there uh, that you're competing against. And we, I mean, we brought all the key pieces back, including a national player of the year candidate. We brought in the best recruit in the Big Ten, Jalen Huchifino. We have Xavier Johnson, who is at least in the top three in the Big Ten in, in point guards and probably the best, or at least has the potential to be the best. And we saw him be the best for the last third, or I should say quarter of the season last year. So like comparing it to last year, is it's just meaningless. It's, well, well, it's, everything changes year to year. I, I concur with the last six years are meaningless. I always think it's what was last year and who are you bringing back and who are you bringing in? And that's why with the Cody Vick year, it was like, it was still shocking that we were preseason number right. one because of the, the horror that had been Indiana basketball in all the seasons prior to the year before that. But then everybody looking at this team was like, well, they're bringing all these people back, including Cody and Vic. Okay. This team's going to be amazing. And so I do. I think when you look at what we had last year, what we lost compared to what we brought in, that's why everybody's excited. Yeah, we lost nothing. I mean, we lost we lost Rob Finnessy. And and Rob hurt us more than he helped us the majority of games last year. You know, I love Rob, but he he it didn't work out for Rob at Indiana as his career kind of was on a downward trajectory outside of the Purdue game and the Butler game, really. But Last year, we made the NCAA tournament, won a game in the NCAA tournament. And and like you said, we're bringing everybody back. So I like the, the prior year stuff. Just I agree with you. What, what you're bringing back from last year does matter because you know who those players are. Totally. But what we did three years ago under Archie Miller, like who gives a shit? It just doesn't. <laughs> it's just totally meaningless and, and ignores the point of, of ranking is you're ranking us against other teams that are playing this year. So like. I don't think Bob was pouring over what everybody else lost last year to this year and making that determination. I think he wanted to be, you know, the contrarian to get clicks and to get yeah. attention. And yeah, that's what he does. Uh, yeah, man, we're, we're less than two weeks away from the first exhibition game. And look, all I'm hearing out of practice is what you would expect. Trace killing it, Xavier killing it, 
The thing that I am hearing more and more is that Malik is killing it. That, uh, like, and look, you know how I feel about practice and gold jerseys. Sure, so, sure. The gold but, jerseys, RIP. But but he is impressing people around. And, uh, and we've heard that from several different people. So, And we've heard it from players, too. You know, we've heard it from Trace. We've heard it from other players. And look, man, you bring a, a big dude like that off the bench who's got skill, and, and all of a sudden it's not this giant drop-off that we've seen in years past when Trace goes out of the game. We just don't have anything else to go on besides right. what we've been hearing and like the glimpses we saw at FanFest and stuff like that, which was fairly meaningless. Same with Hoosier Hysteria. Um, so you, you, obviously people saying publicly this about their teammates or their players, it's good for confidence. It's good to get the fans excited, make sure as many tickets as possible will be sold. But this isn't like, oh, we hear the same thing year after year. It's like there is something different about all this. And when you're talking about somebody like Malik, who was overshadowed somewhat by Jalen, um, and then he was such a late addition to the class. And and certainly, look, we're in this very small percentage of IU fans who really monitor this stuff closely and really try to get a feel for okay, how did they play at the Peach Jam or whatever yeah. it is? So uh, I think the vast majority of IU fans still don't know much at all about any of the new guys and maybe maybe a little more about CJ Gunn because he's local and stuff like that. But when you have this guy Malik who's potentially going to have a major impact as a freshman, which we're always warned against, like, hey, it's there's an adjustment period, but because we're inside it, we know that they've been playing against the best of the best prep players in the country for the last two years. And oh yeah, Jalen is as good as gone to the pros next year. So how can you not expect somebody to have an impact when he's like that? And then the steady stream of Malik love is like wow we're you know along with everybody on the team who he helps make a step when yeah you compare okay we'll swap out a, a Michael Durr for a, a Malik or a Jalen for a Rob yeah yeah I'm pretty excited the season's two weeks away I, I totally agree uh let's hit on football real quick bum, 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 um, bum. <laughs> uh I mean just a shit sandwich of a game you know I mean that was the game that I know you don't like the should have won. We've talked about that a little bit before, but shit, we should have won that game. I mean, I, they weren't good. We're not good. Yeah. We are not good. And we are not good more than they are not good. <laughs> yeah. um, well, but well, but just the mistakes, the turnovers, the uh, it's just like we were winning. We were winning the game, like in the fourth quarter. What, and, when their star quarterback went down. Yes. And yeah. then, like, you know, they're not going to throw the ball. And then they just ran all over us. It was it, disappointing to say the least. Surprising? No. Indiana football fans, we can't say we were surprised, but disappointment is being an Indiana football fan out of, say, three years out of the last 120. Speaking of which, look, we can talk about the negatives that came out of this game, but history was made. As the first Division One program, to 700 losses. Nobody can say we're not a historic football program. The most historic in some <laughs> aspect. Um, I was looking, I think Northwestern is number two. Where are uh, they at? A dozen or so losses behind us. And I think that we've played more seasons than them. Oh, okay. Or more total games. So 
Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I think we've played less total games, which makes it even uh, more okay. alarming. Yeah. yeah. Here's the bottom line. We just lose too much. We've lost too much historically. And it's a sad state of affairs, what's going on. And what you worry about is that the team just gives up. And couple that kind of fear with the news today that Jack Tuttle has entered the transfer portal. When your captain enters the transfer portal. Now, I do think people might be overreacting to the timing of this. This is what's going to happen because of the new transfer portal windows that the NCAA has mandated. So it's weird for sure. He's transferring, yet he's still our backup quarterback. Yeah. At the end of the season. It doesn't weird me out because we are in this brave new world where and I haven't heard if there has been any public comment from Coach Allen or anybody else. Yeah, he made but, a comment about it in his press conference today. And I'm sure he's totally supportive of it because, you know, Jack has been such the consummate team player throughout his time in Bloomington. And look, playing at a Big Ten school, there's very few human beings who can be a starting quarterback at a Big Ten school. But for him to be able to find a place where where he can play and know that's his role – uh, I mean, I want that for the guy. He's earned that. Oh, I no blame on him. I get it totally. I just think he's your captain. You made a big deal of how great it is that even though he's a backup, he's so bought in to this culture and what we're doing here that he accepted being a captain. And then he says, I'm going to leave you guys. It's just not a great look for the program as a whole. The, the most disappointing thing to me is I think that we all thought two years ago, that we had finally landed on a culture, that there was something special going on at Indiana, and that, sure, players will come come and go, but we have this bedrock culture, and it just doesn't seem to matter, I guess. I mean, like, in the end, we don't have enough talent, and we don't have enough good coaching, and we haven't won enough. We're losing at an alarming rate the last two years, and there's a chance that, we run the table on losses from here on out. And that, I just, I totally worry about the program from a recruiting standpoint and an attendance standpoint. If we win four games this year, which means we get one more win or none, no more wins. I mean, how do you recruit to this program besides playing time? But how do you recruit? I, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, he, we saw the bump in recruiting based on the 2020 season. We saw that. Yep. And and now it's it's uh, some of those guys have decommitted by the way. There yep. was some announcement last week about a D-back who who decommitted. The running back that we were supposed to have this year, he decommitted because Dylan McCullough left. Mm-hmm. It, it just seems to be coming apart a little bit and I do expect this football team to go heavy, even heavier than they did in the transfer portal to just go to guys with one year left or two years left and say, you're going to start immediately and you're going to be on national TV for a lot of games. And you're going to be playing in front of NFL scouts because they scout the teams we're playing. Yeah. Um, It's just sad to me. I, I, I wanted to work with Tom Allen. We both do. It's why we started the NIL collective because we believe in Tom Allen and we believe in the program. I think with culture, it must be so much harder when you have so many players it's like if you have a basketball team of, of 13 scholarship players, the head coach and, of course, the assistant coaches, it's such a personal relationship day in and day out. You have time to connect and check in with 
and easily look at what's the vibe with this Baker's dozen of guys with a football team. It's just so many people. And so many of them aren't getting many reps and much playing and they can be over here with discontent or, or losing their belief, or even in the recruiting process, it's harder to make sure the guys you're bringing in are completely that guy because you can't even spend as much time recruiting each guy like you can in basketball. So I think, a program like Indiana, and it was, it's so clear what that culture has been since Tom Allen took over. Uh, it's great, but it's harder to build and certainly maintain, especially when, uh, if there was that window, you know, I think, I think we may always look at that moment where we had this incredible dream season and the recruiting had this uptick, but before that infusion talent could show up and really demonstrate that we've gone to a new level on the field. We know in college football to get those guys in, you know, usually it's gotta be sophomores or junior junior year before they really make an impact. And and we're in that limbo right now. And it, it does feel like it's falling apart. It, it does. It's, and, and look, um, he should have made the Hiller decision in the off season. I mean, that's the truth. He should have made that decision in the off season. And, you know, there's a lot of talk that that Hiller decision keeping him cost us things. It might have cost us Dylan McCullough. Like, mm. there's a lot of talk. Now, I think Dylan, if offered the Notre Dame job, goes and takes the Notre Dame job. But, you know, he did have a good thing in Bloomington. I would argue that he was next in line for head coach if he stuck around in, in Bloomington and he was coaching his sons. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was a lot of good stuff there, but there was a lot of talk that he did not like that Hiller was like the run game coordinator and didn't agree with how he was managing that. And we saw last year, it sucked. Yeah. The run game was abysmal. Uh, so I find it really sad what's happening. Um Speaking of the opposite of, of what we saw on in the Indiana Memorial Stadium, did you catch the celebration of Tennessee beating Alabama? I saw who was in the celebration of Tennessee beating Alabama. And who was that? Well, it was uh, preseason All-American Trace Jackson Davis and his good buddy, Race Thompson. What was your take when you first saw it? What was your initial reaction? Uh, good for them. You know, yeah. one, because Trace, that's his brother, go support. Um, I look and, and, you know, there's just the game went perfectly for them to have made that trip and been there for that. Like, what a moment, uh, you know, that family, those two guys will never forget. But either way, they were going to be stepping into an incredible atmosphere of college football that was not going to be available in Bloomington that weekend. So I, it may be too early to say this because it just happened. But when I think of college sports in the last 15 years, I really do think of three games now. I think of the watch shot because I do think that that was just monumental. I think of the, they call it the Iron Bowl, right? When Auburn and Alabama play each other. Yeah. When Auburn ran back the field, missed field goal and won the game. Uh -huh. Like I think about that. And this Tennessee-Alabama game, I watched the, the last quarter of it. I mean, if you if you don't like college sports, I don't know how you can't be overtaken by the emotion that you see on something like that. It was insane. 
Now, when I saw Trace and Race there, I thought much of the same things you did, except a couple of things. I don't like seeing our guys wear the colors of a different school. I'm with you there. I, I could give it to Trace because that's his brother, you know, and it's it's not his sport. And it's like, yeah, for that for that game, so be it. Race, though, race? Come on. I don't. Man. I just don't like that. But, hey, they're kids. They get to do what the hell they want. And it did just the the contrast of what they were experiencing and then reading on peaks that we had a recruit hanging out with the players that were left at the Indiana football game Oof. just like made me made my head explode a little bit. Like the, the, the tale of two cities, if you will. Yeah. You know, I mean, can you imagine if Rick Barnes has recruits at the Tennessee game? you know, for, for that, as opposed to, we had Jesse McCulloch from, from Ohio getting to see us getting our ass waxed by the backup quarterback from Maryland. Yeah. I mean, with, with no one in the crowd, I mean, <laughs> no one except for 15 guys in the student section that took their shirts off, all of whom were overweight, disgusting looking. That was weird. That was just weird. <laughs> It's weird when it's that number. Had it been like a thousand, it would have been a great thing. But when it's like <laughs> 17 and you can focus in on every one of them, I will give these overweight guys credit because I wouldn't take my shirt off. I know what I look like without my shirt on. It's not good. These guys don't give a shit. Well, you know, that's that's called drinking alcohol, Eric. That's that's <laughs> uh, why they oh, get legal, to legal drinking in, in Memorial Stadium. These days. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, and the fact that there was so much room in the stands for them to do that routine. Yeah. yeah there yeah. was not like people crowded around them that they had to worry about running into. Uh, not a great look. Um, entertaining. Yes. Not a great look. But with race and trace who have uh, given so much of their young lives to all things Indiana for them to be able to like before basketball season starts to go down there, show little brother some love and just to, to be a part of something to your point that people are going to remember for a very long time. Good for them. Now get your ass back here in cream and crimson and let's, let's get focused. It did put watch shot in my head as I'm sure it did for every Indiana fan who saw that. And it did make me go to November 30th this year, where we're going to be playing the number one team in the country, North Carolina and me thinking, Oh my God, what if it happens again? Like what if we're able to have that moment or something similar again? Why not us? And that made me think, Oh man, someone's going to win courtside tickets to that game for a chance to see something like that. Mm, mm. What a lucky person. And Ward, minutes before we got on, I did the raffle. I mixed it all in my Indiana cowboy hat. We had over 150 entries. We raised over $15,000 for NIL with this. So thank Incredible. you to everybody. Incredible. Incredible. That is that is money that makes a difference. I mean, it oh. makes a difference. For one game, we were able to do that. Thank you to everybody who contributed. We have a winner. I videotaped me doing the drawing, so I'll put that out on Twitter. But before I do that, I thought, why don't we call him? Let's call him. All right. I got this his number right here. His name is... Is Philip. 
Philip has no idea we're about to call him. No. You came up with the ruse even to get his phone number, right? I did, yeah. Do you hear the ringing? No. Hello? Hey, uh, is this Philip? Yes. Hey, Philip, it's Eric Pankowski from Hoosier Hysterics. Hey, man, what's going on? How are you? You know, it's cold. You're in California. I'm in Indiana, so it's a lot uh, colder here. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, do you think it'll be colder on November 30th in Bloomington when Indiana plays North Carolina? Uh, based on my heart rate, no. I think I'm going to be nice and warm. <laughs> yeah. I hear, I hear it's pretty warm when you sit on the floor courtside across from Mike Woodson and the IU basketball team, which is what you and a guest are going to be doing on November 30th. Are you shitting me? I am not shitting you. And I have to tell you, you're live on our podcast right now. We're recording this call. Ward is here. Ward, say hi. Philip, congratulations, Philip. What's up, Ward? What's up, Eric? Oh, my God. This is awesome. <laughs> I can't believe it. So, listen, when when I pulled your name out, and I will post the Twitter video so you can see me pulling your name out, I did do some cyber stalking of you because I wanted to make sure that the tickets were going to an Indiana fan because the worst thing would be if they went to somebody not. And I saw lots of pictures with you wearing Indiana gear, including a T-shirt, I think you got to update your social media because the most recent shirt I see is you wearing a shirt that I think says it's Archie time. Oh, geez. Which, which social media was that on? I don't even know. I think that one was on <laughs> Facebook. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, then I will. I will update that. Yeah. So when uh, Archie was hired, I, I found a shirt like that and, and wore it. And clearly I didn't get to wear it for very long. But uh, <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't found a good Woodson one yet. If you got uh, some suggestions. Well, I, Ward's I, got I, the best one. Oh, yeah. Philip, you, you got to get yourself. Wear it to the game. It'll be great. It's the, the notorious B.I.G. It's Big E, uh, that, that iconic shot of him with the crown just with, with Woody's face slapped over the top. I got mine on Amazon. I'm in. I'll buy it. I'll make my one. And on Amazon for me. <laughs> there you go. So how you feeling? You won these tickets, man. Over 150 entries. Your oh, one nice. entry won it. That's awesome. Uh, honestly, I I, I I don't know. I'm <laughs> shocked. I'm shocked. Like, excited as can be. Now I'm wondering who the hell is going to go with me. Yeah. The wife's nice looking at me right now with some <laughs> big eyes. Like, <laughs> I think you got to take your wife. Who would you consider taking if not your wife? I mean, I'm on a bunch of IU threads with buddies, and I don't know. Would you consider taking me or Ward? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I would. Hold on. Are you buying or my buying? That's right. You can buy them right there at Assembly Hall now. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Wait, Philip. Philip, let me ask. Like, how big of a fan is your wife? Does she just kind of, like, tolerate it and go along with it with you, or is she a true fan herself? Um, I don't think you're going to like my answer. Oh, <laughs> no, what is no, it? There's no, she's not a Purdue my, fan. Oh God, no, she's not a Purdue oh, fan. Okay. She went to, she went to Marion university. So she's a, that's all right. Marian because fan, but in my cyber stalking, say, in my cyber stalking of you, I believe she played softball for Marion, right? She did play softball for Marion. She, uh, she works for the IHS. She's kind of, uh, 
She does that mean she has to be agnostic? Sports, so. Does she have to be agnostic yeah. with all the colleges? She does. All right. Well, listen. So. Here's what you need to do, Philip. She either needs to turn into a raging Indiana fan and be that, or you need to tell her to watch the game at home, TiVo it so that she can get your and screenshot it so she can see you on the court. But you need to bring a wild Indiana fan with you. I think I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Philip. <laughs> that's all. All right. So Philip, look, we're going to let you go. Uh, I'll put the video out on Twitter. I'll tag you in it. Congratulations. Thanks for contributing. I'll be in touch with you. I've got your phone number. And when the tickets come in, I'll shoot them, shoot them over to you. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Take Thank care, you man. Thank for doing this, by the way, too. Our okay. pleasure. You got to love somebody in shock. Philip, I, I will I will crank it as much as I can in the editing. Okay. Uh, but the one line I think we lost a little bit. I'll just make sure it was what was heard. He goes, "Are you shitting me?" Yes, yes, <laughs> he did. Yeah, that's pretty much it right there. Uh, and I also like that we're convincing him to not take his wife, which might lead to divorce. Yeah. So wh while she was sitting right there next to him, right there, like we have, there is there is no shame in our game. Well, None. look. I mean, and and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a little beatdown on Marion in the the preseason exhibition game. So yeah. already that's gonna be a house divided. So let's talk about this thing that happened over the uh, weekend that that blew me away and got me emotional. Did you see the pictures of Big George McGinnis back at Assembly Hall? I did not. George McGinnis, along with Steve Downing, oh. took a little drive down to Bloomington, hung out with Mike Woodson, got pictures in Assembly Hall, and George McGinnis posted them from his Twitter account. Oh, I, I like, as you were telling me that, and still now I've got goosebumps all down my shoulders. That is so cool. I don't know the last time that George and Steve were both at Bloomington. I mean, I don't know individually when the last time was, but together it's probably been years and years and years and years and maybe even more than like a decade that is so special to see that you know big george is, uh, has a little trouble getting around so he's in a wheelchair and there's a picture of woody pushing him which is I'm, just awesome this is the 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 power of woody continues to amaze where you know a year and a half into it and and you just think about if you were around indianapolis basketball in the 60s and 70s and and the way these guys, they mean so much to the entire state uh, and the legacy of high school basketball, college basketball, and professional basketball. These are two of the absolute proudest sons we have um, as ambassadors of the game and playing it at the highest level. It, it is it is so much of why Indiana is special. And all those sons of bitches can talk about what's been going on the last 20 years, but you can't tell me that's diminished how much it means to have three gentlemen like that. Cause Steve Downing's right there. I mean, look, it's hard not to be overshadowed by big George, but we all know how incredibly important Steve Downing was to IU in his time there. And now what he's been doing up at Marion um, in the greater Indianapolis area for sports there. And I would also recommend anybody that doesn't know the stories of either Steve Downing or George McGinnis, which I would imagine a lot of our younger listeners don't know. Mm -hmm. and, and truthfully, before we got into it and really started researching it, I'm not sure I knew the full stories, 
but go check out our podcasts with both those guys. We did those a couple of years back and they are some of my favorite conversations that we have had because I think there was so much misunderstanding about George, especially and, and his relationship to Indiana because he only stayed for one year. Although truthfully, that meant he was here for two years because right. the freshman couldn't play. So he did, he did play his, his freshman year was really his sophomore year, but there's a lot of love for Indiana university from both of those guys. And just seeing that on Twitter was like, Oh, okay. This is how Twitter can be good. This is the good part of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it just made, gave me, gave me uh, as the kids say, I was all in my feels. Well, and uh, all in the feels uh, on the Twitter game, uh, maybe not quite as heartwarming to uh, Indiana fans who don't have a connection to the New York Knicks, but any Indiana fan who has a connection to wanting our basketball program to continue to ascend in the cool factor is seeing Woody um, back in the arms of all those Nick players who just like love them. You can't fake that. Somebody's he filming. kissed one of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got there with his, his dop kit. Does he have cigars in there? Or does yeah. he have like toothpaste? Cigars. Yeah. And uh, maybe some other stuff, but there's cigars in there. <laughs> that 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 affection that you see and he hasn't been there for a minute now like that those guys still feel that way about woody you've got the whole side of it like look here's here's julius randall you know who just clearly is infatuated with woody and so glad to see him again uh and and that that transcends the game too right because it's not like oh yeah he helped me become a better basketball player it's like here is a human being i had a very special connection with who is back and um, as a recruit, you talk about the two things they want more than anything, to get to the league and stay there and to have a coach who cares, who's there for them, who really is uh, like a member of the family. And when he's got those kind of relationships, when everybody in, in the Knicks situation is, is making millions of dollars to be coworkers and there's still that kind of joy and love, I think it's it's immeasurable what that could mean to a recruit and his parents sitting at home somewhere thinking about coming to Indiana. I totally agree. Check that out on Twitter. It's all over the place. Mike Woodson. It was at um it was at what do they call it now? Gamebridge? Oh, uh, I I don't I can't I don't keep track of the it's still the Market Hoosier, Square. It's still the Hoosier Dome in my brain. It's the Hoosier Dome and Market Square Arena. Like it's those two. Uh, so at Market Square, it was Indianapolis Pacers playing the Knicks, and and Woody just a, a parade of players giving him hugs and daps, and it was awesome to see. Uh, and it segues perfectly into us having a conversation with one of his current players, and hopefully somebody that he's building that same type of relationship with. And I think we saw that there's at least some good relationship because in transfer mania era that we're in, this gentleman could easily have gone to greener pastures or what appeared to be greener pastures for guarantee of playing time. And he didn't, he stuck it out. He's back and he's on the podcast today. So let's get to it. Yes, sir. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we got one of our buddies here today. I, Miss the time when we all got together and broke some bread here in Los Angeles, but he's back in Bloomington now. He's got more important things to do than hang out with the likes of us in person. Eric, who do we have here over Zoom? 
not only one of our favorite people that we've ever met doing this, but one of our favorite families. We've gotten to know the family and his parents are, truthfully, I'd rather be talking to them. That's the truth. <laughs> but great people, great family, hailing from Kansas City, Kansas. We are talking to someone who went to IMG in Florida, was shot 44% from three as a junior, 40% from three as a senior at IMG, one of the best prep schools in the world, was ranked the number 23 recruit by ESPN coming out of high school, was a top 60 recruit by 247, of course committed to Indiana late, but came to Indiana last year where he played his freshman year, and we saw signs of this dude's star power just bubbling under the surface. He scored 11 points in a two-point win against St. John's in the Gavit games. He scored 13 points in the first Big Ten game of the season last year, helping Indiana secure the win against Nebraska. And against Michigan State later in the season, scored 13 points. He's got the coolest nickname of anybody we know. Ladies and gentlemen, he is also, since the last time we talked to him, well, I think we talked to him, but since the proper time we talked to him, he is also a father the greatest accomplishment of his life. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tamar Scoop Bates. Appreciate What's it. up, Daddy? <laughs> What's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm good. Let's get to the real important stuff first. How's the baby? Does she sleep well? What's she doing? All that. She stole the show at Hoosier Hysteria. She yeah. stole the show. She did. She's doing really well. She and she's a great baby. Like she doesn't give anybody uh problems, like in comparison to like when I was her age. But um, you know, like she, you know, she chills, like she she doesn't really cry unless there's really something wrong. Like unless, you know, it, she's hungry, tired, she need a diaper changed, or you know, just like or this. or <laughs> if I hold her. Or if you oh yeah, she did lose it. <laughs> Smart All that baby. stuff you just said made me feel terrible. But, Smart but kid. She, she might have been. She might have been tired too. I left that one out. She she might have been sleepy, but she's starting to warm up to more people. Like now, like as she's getting older, she's coming up on seven months. So she uh she usually doesn't as as long as like she can see somebody that she knows. Mm -hmm. like while somebody else is holding her, she'll be all right. But now nah, she sleeps through the night. She doesn't give us any problems. Um, she really wasn't. Like she stopped waking up in the middle of the night. I would say like right before she turned two months, like she would wake up early. Wow. She would sleep through the night. Like she's, so she's been a, she's been a breath of fresh air for sure. Cause my mom, she had me terrified just talking about, <laughs> how, you know, I was waking up at 2 AM, 5 AM. I was crying all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, this is my karma. <laughs> <laughs> But it, well, it's been, it's been the exact opposite. Leilani is she, she, she's she's fantastic. And there's there's something I remember about around six months with both of my kids, where suddenly like the personality just really starts to come out. Have you started to see that side of her? Yeah, like I, I can. I mean, I obviously I know she's my daughter, but she's just always just like so like attentive to everything and always smiling all day and laughing. So. You know, she's she she's doing a little bit more now. She's figuring out how to crawl. She can sit up on her own. Everything she can get her hands on, she wanna eat it. So <laughs> we gotta we gotta keep an eye on her. Yeah. She 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 a little she a little busybody, so we can't leave her on the couch by herself. She get to trying to roll off and jump. So but but you know, just typical typical stuff. But nah, 
she's just getting more like she's learning how to use her body like she's figuring out more stuff every day she's really smart too so it's like she she doesn't put herself in too many like dangerous situations but she she tests the waters a little bit like i said sure she should yeah babies do so (laughs) i I, look man i had babies a a little later than you in life well mandy mandy had the babies that's true. She had the babies. I was around for it. <laughs> Although I did catch the third one. Oh, wow. I delivered the third one. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Oh, I had more to do with that baby coming out than Mandy did. The third <laughs> one. We'll leave that to our female listeners to respond. Yeah, sure. To. But yeah. I, I just remember being overwhelmed with how do you, what does it mean to be a dad? Like, what am I supposed to do? Where's the book that's going to tell me what to do? How are you? I mean, obviously, you've got a pretty good role model in your dad um, who yeah. who has raised multiple kids the right way. But how are you finding your way in the world of being a father? Are you reading books? Are you a, a website guy? Or are you asking dad for advice? Like, what, what's that been like for you? I definitely ask my dad for advice, but I'm more of a like a learn as I go type of dude. Like, and, and just based off of how my parents raised me, and just watching them, you know, obviously, like as I was growing up and listening to them, it's kind of like they've already put the, like they already put the blueprint together in terms of, you know, how to be a parent and you know things that work, things that, you know, worked for them, things that may work for me. But I mean, Leilani's six months, so I'm I'm not even nowhere near close to everything I'm about to have coming my way with her. But, um. You know, I, I I ask a lot of questions. Like I re- I more so like talk to my family. Like I don't, you know, I talk to my grandpa, my uncles, you know, my dad all the time. But you know, I got a good team around me to you know, help me navigate. Yes, you do well, and that's the beautiful thing about how it all unfurls. You have like the better part of a year just to wrap your brain around the head, wrap wrap your your uh, brain around the idea that you're gonna be a dad, and then you have like those first six months you're a dad. But it doesn't move much. It doesn't really, you just got to feed it. You got to like hold it. And now you're in the mobility stage and then you're going to turn around and she's going to be 12 and in middle school and giving you a bunch of attitude. Yeah. Each stage is great. But if, you know, is clearly it? there's so much. Oh yeah. I, I, everybody's like, what's your favorite stage? I'm like the one I'm in right now. Uh, uh, no, I, I totally disagree. Do you? Yeah. No, no, yeah, I, yeah. The <laughs> best stage was when they were like four. No, cute. no, because I, I'm at the stage where she can babysit my son and I can go out to eat and not pay a babysitter. That's a great right, so, stage. So to yeah. be clear here, your favorite stage is the one that allows you to get away from the kids the most. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. ding. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've heard a lot. Like I was, um, like before I came back to school, I went over to my AAU coach house and like, you know, we sat down and watched TV, ate dinner. And like when I was talking to him and his wife, like they they kind of said like their favorite stage was like, like you said, like four to like eight, because that's when the kids still think you're cool. Like they yes. still like your parents, like they still think, oh, mommy and daddy, you know, we want to yes. like you they still think you're like cool, right? And then they get to talk about when they you know, kind of on their own. They don't really, they want to be left alone when they get a little older. But main thing I remember from when I was there, she just, his wife, um, she just said that like the the days are long, but the years are fast. So it's like, Mm. it's it's rolling. Like, like you, you're going to look like you said, they're going to be 
14. That's all I keep hearing. And I'm kind of scared because it's like, I'm like, like I'm, I'm enjoying this stage right now. Like she's, it's just so crazy to me. What I, I would say more so what I'm scared of, she's never going to be a baby again. She's never going to be like, this don't, this is not going to last forever. So. Uh, yeah, man. How, how do you, how are you balancing everything that you have to do to ultimately provide the, the life that you want to provide for, for your baby and family? You got a lot on your plate. You got school, you got basketball, you got your teammates uh, and you're a father. How have you found the, you know, in, in, when you're old, people call it the work-life balance. How have you found your work-life balance? And are, are you getting into a rhythm? I am getting into a rhythm. And I, I feel like, you know, I've able to, I've been able to find this rhythm simply because of, you know, everything that my parents and my family do for me back at home when, when I'm not able to be with Leilani. Right. They they take a lot of weight off of my shoulders. And I'm like too so thankful for them. You know, we don't have to like pay for childcare or anything, you know, right. so the fact that, you know, my parents have stepped up, like I knew they would, like they told me they would, but it's just different when it's actually in real time and it's um, happening, you know, it's like they, they, cause they still want me to, you know, they don't want me to put my dreams and what I want to accomplish on hold. They still want me to continue to, you know, go after what I'm like, what I've said after in this life, but you know, what I want to do is ultimately going to help Leilani live the life totally. into her. So that's kind of like, that's how I see it. It's like, you know, I'm not really sacrificing anything because in the long run, you know, everything that I, you know, see for Leilani and how I want to raise her and how I want her to live and the life I want to give her, I'm putting the time in now. So, you know. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and you, yeah, you yeah. do realize once parenthood is upon you, how much distraction there was and we're like well okay i have less time because i have to have i have to dedicate time to my child but all the other time that is yours i found became much more laser focused like yeah. it was because now it's oh it's not just for me it's for her so yeah. if i have x number of hours to put into the schoolwork in the books or on the court i'm going to make them count even more because there's less of that time right yeah, that that yeah, that's that's definitely how I see it. Cause it's like, especially like when she's here with me, it's like okay, I gotta, I gotta get one, I gotta get boom, I gotta get these three things done. Cause when I get home, you know, I'm chilling with Leilani, I'm doing what I need to do with her. But like you said, like everything that I do, it's like every day that I wake up, it's like I can't, I don't have a, I don't have any hours, any days to waste. Cause it's like, it, it's like it's just like you said, it's just not just for tomorrow anymore like and, and, I, and i've always been a family guy so it's like you know i'm doing this for my family i wear 53 for my nanny that passed away but like now right. it's like i'm starting my own family tree I, or I'm, I'm adding another branch to the family tree so it's like okay she's this is my daughter so it's a it's like a it's a totally different mindset like every day when i wake up like especially like i don't it's like i don't have room to say oh, i don't feel like it today like i don't Right. I, I, I can't say that no more. Like it, that that's like now those thoughts. Like it's like even though they still they, they might still come into my head. It's like I, I, I can't I would be taken away from her if I didn't, you know, really lock in and, and, and continue to stay consistent in my work 
from day to, from a day to day basis. I'll be just taken away from her, and it's like I don't want to. I would never, I would never do that because my parents didn't do that to me. Right. That's how I now, got. Scoop. We met you about a year and a half ago, and we were struck by your what seemed to be laser focus even then. I mean, you talked about reading Kobe Bryant's book and the Mamba mentality, which you clearly had. And then I remember seeing you in person at the Bahamas. And while a bunch of guys were having fun in the casino, you know, just hanging out, you were going back into the gym and getting a workout in. You've always been a guy that was in the gym long after other people were there, before other people were there. Have you even seen that that, ticks up a notch because of I, I can't imagine how you would tick that up a notch because of how focused you were but now that you are playing for someone else working for someone else also are you surprised by the notch up that your work ethic has gone um I I would say I would I really wouldn't say I'm surprised I would just say I'm like it's more so like a I don't really I don't really know what the word it is that I'm looking for, but the way I see it is just like now it's like I it's like I put more gas in the tank. Hmm. Like if if I ever was to think about like, oh yeah, I'm here, like I made it to college, like, you know, I, I can coast a little bit, even though I, I would never, like it's just right. like it's not in my that's just not me. But it's just like I feel like now it's just like the biggest thing is just like working with just like more like focus, like doing everything with a purpose and, and, you know, really just working like smarter. Cause I'm trying, I'm playing a long game with this. Like I'm, I'm trying to like make a career out of, you know, this game. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, long-term, but at the same time being where my feet are, but um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would just say it's more of a like a uh, like a focus thing, and just like and like like just always having that constant reminder that you know I'm a father now, and you know I gotta you know put put the work in every day. I gotta make my daily deposits every day because, like you said, like I've always been accustomed to you know just work. Like that's how I got here. Like just do like hard work. Like not too many people know like like my story or just like, like really like how I got to college. Right. Yeah. I played on the circuit and all that, but it's just all been through work. So now it's just, now my work really has more of a purpose. Well, love it. let's talk about the work you've been putting in, in the off season. Eric did miss. I mean, I, I think one of the true highlights of Indiana basketball of the last few seasons, which is at the fan fest, when you lit up the three-point competition, I mean, what, you hit like 37 in a minute and a half? It was crazy. So, like, going into the offseason, through the offseason, and now we're a couple weeks away from the season, what has been the focus for you? Uh, and and where, where, are you, where are you seeing, like, where, where can you turn to yourself in the mirror and be like, I am better at this part of the game of basketball today than I was – when the season ended last year um well i would say just first off just physically like that was my like number one like i gotta put on weight this offseason i gotta be able to you know compete physically not just in college not just in the big 10 but in like college basketball basketball period like you know i gotta be able to throw my weight around a little bit so 
I would say that was the first thing that I checked off. And then other than that on the court, I would just say that just like, you know, just being able to um, be sharper with making plays for others and, and, and um, shooting the ball, obviously, like off the catch. Because, um, I mean, the coaches, you know, they stretch, you know, like we need you to shoot 40, 42%. Like just because that only helps the team out. But I would say just like, I, I mean, on the court, yeah, like I said, just uh, making plays. And that just came with experience, too, though. Like, just having a year under my belt, like, the game kind of slowed down for me now. So, it's like I see things, like, a little better. And, like, I'm not just out there, like, just running up and down the court. So, I, I would say, like, in the offseason, I would say just making plays on and off of the ball, um, you know, understanding the game. And then being able to create, like, from – the one spot because that's like a lot of the reps and stuff that I've been getting in practice you know just learning how to be efficient in another position as mm. a is that something where you think that you're going to get some uh, a lot of play this year is like if x needs a, a a breather at the one that that you you come in and fill that role at the one and are you comfortable in that role do you like that role uh, I'm definitely I'm, I'm I'm getting more comfortable in that role and I'm I'm just learning like you know, it's, you know, when, when you doing something that you really haven't been doing your whole life, you know, like I would, you know, on other teams, I would be like a backup point guard type of deal, but it's like, now I'm really like understanding what it really takes to be a point guard. Cause it's not, it's not easy at all by any means, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in that role and I can see myself, you know, relieving X, but you know, we got other guys like, you know, other playmakers, Fino X me. So, um, you know, if, if if need be, sure, I will be able to fill that role, and I feel like that's the reason why, you know, the coaches have put me in those situations in practice, just so if that moment does come about, I'll be I'll be ready. So, um, yeah, 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 for sure. At, at the other end of the court, we know there's so much emphasis with Coach Woodson on defense and how detailed and meticulous. Uh, he wants your execution on that end with rotations and you all were learning it last year. Do you find, you know, as you're getting into practices in this, this season, is it a little bit easier? Cause you hear this a lot in the NFL and how complex the, the defensive schemes can be, but once they're in there, then, then have you noticed you have to think less and you can just yeah. play more defensively? Yeah. And that, that's the, that's the biggest thing. And that's really why I didn't say too much about like what I worked on um, in the off season on the defensive side of the ball, because it's like last year it was a lot of teaching. Like we had to learn what coach Wilson wanted us to do, or we had to like build our defensive system, like, and, and how he wanted us to play defense. And it did work. Like, you know, yeah. and we, we were figuring it out as we went, but the fact that we had that year of, you know, playing our defense and now we have continued to work on it in the off season and we all understand all the concepts and the spots that we need to be in. Like, like you said, like I don't have to think as much on defense because I got the first, I got the experience of, I got the trial and error of playing the defense, doing it right, messing up in games in practice. So now it's like, we already set the foundation. It's not as much learning. It's just fine tuning. Like we just fine tuning the defense, like because now we all it's already set in stone. So, um, yeah. It, so it everything's been moving a lot faster because like every last off season it was all teaching. We had a new coach, right. 
trying to figure out how are we about to play on both sides of the ball. So everything's um, been a lot better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, look, one of the things we love about you and loved from the moment we met you was your confidence in yourself, in your game. You just have – you carry yourself with a strength and a self-assuredness that – is not cocky. It's just what you want on a basketball team. And honestly, it's what you want in a leader. I I would assume that last year there were obviously some ups and there were some downs throughout the year. Was there ever a point last year where your confidence got shook at all? Was it was the, was it the adjustment to that level and that game harder than you thought, different than you thought? How would you characterize it? I would say it, it was different. And I, you know, I... I'm really close with, with Coach Cliff, and, you know, he talked about it all the time, like before the season, during the season. You know, like he says, you know, every freshman, like, hits a wall. Whether you're playing well or you're not playing at all or you're playing look like every freshman hits a wall just because it's an adjustment. Like, you know, it's something new. Um, I mean, my dad say this all the time, you know, nothing can really prepare you for college basketball other than playing college basketball. Like, it's, right. just, it's just a different level. Like, just like it, it would be – in the NBA. So it's like, I, 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 I would definitely, I would say, yeah, like I, I was in a storm. Like I, I, and I really didn't realize it either until I got out of it. And I was like, Whoa, like, <laughs> like that, like that, that was something totally different. Like, and like, like I said, like just going back to that wall reference, like I did, like my confidence did taper a little bit, especially like in big 10 play where it was a few consecutive games where I didn't play in the second half. It was like, I'm like, dang, can I not help the team? Like, am I like, I can't help the team win. I can't do anything to, you know, help us win games. So it's like, I'm now I'm questioning myself and, you know, mm. you know, what, what, you know, what, like, what, what, what I can really do and how good I really am. Like, and like I said, like when I was in it, I'm not really thinking that that's what's going through my head. But like, mm. when I got out of that storm, I re- I'm like, oh my God, like I was just in a, like, I, and, and, and I'm, and I mean, I'm glad I'm grateful for it just because, you know, I came out a lot stronger and a better, you know, person, basketball player and a man. Cause it's like, that's an, like, that's an experience that, you know, can only, I mean, it can go one of two ways. Either you like, you, you respond to it or you crumble. And I feel like I'm uh, taking the right steps in the right direction to respond to it. So um, yeah, I mean, my, my confidence did, uh, like waver a little bit, but I'm back now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just to follow up though on that because I think what you said is so um, insightful. I think what you ex- what you described, it, you probably articulate better than most can, but almost everybody experiences that. Like you said, almost every freshman experiences that just from the adjustment to basketball. But then, and and tell me that that I'm out of my mind and stick it up my ass if I'm totally wrong here. But you also had real life shit going on last year that adds to potentially stress, anxiety, whatever it may be. You lost somebody very close to you in your family last year, and then you welcomed a new life into this world in your daughter, which is a wonderful experience, but a stressful one. Um, Did you find that that stuff, again, like when you're in the storm, you may not know that that's affecting you but then take a step back and go, man, that really was a lot that I was dealing with. Do you think that stuff had anything to do with some of the ups and downs? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I mean, I, I've always been pretty good at like, 
separating the two or like separating stuff that I have going on off of the court and on the court and, and then like, you know, converting it into like a energy that helps me just like, you know, play kind of like use basketball to um, like take anything out, like, like just release all of that. But I, I would say it affected me a little bit, just, uh, just like from, you know, welcoming Leilani into the world, just from that standpoint, it was just like, you know, like, damn, like I gotta, I got, I gotta perform and, you know, do what I need to do because, you know, when she get here, I got to provide. So it's like, right. Pressure. That, that's, that was, a, that's a different kind of pressure than just wanting to do it for yourself. Yeah. Like it, it was always in the back of my mind and obviously losing my uncle, that was tough. And, you know, especially on my mom's, but she, but it, it was kind of, it, it was like the way, like we all saw it was like, you know, we lost uncle Tony, but like we gained another angel in Leilani mm -hmm. and my mom, like she's been, it's been great to see just like, she's in a really good space right now. And like Leilani's like definitely helped that and been like a, um, like a grieving. I mean, obviously she was going to do what she does as a, she, she calls her J-Ma. She's not a grandma. She's J-Ma. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but um, as a, you know, being her, uh, being her grandma, you know, she, she was going to do everything that came with that, but, you know, we're losing her brother, her her only brother. Um, you know, Leilani's, you know, helped her keep a smile on her face. So it's it, it's all, you know, been good for the whole family. We've all, you know, been responding to everything that went down last year really well. And we're excited for, you know, this season. Love it. Well, and with all the talk of family, and it's probably used too much talking about sports and teams, but from the outside looking in, it certainly feels like Coach Woodson and the rest of the coaching staff and the players, it feels from the outside like it is as much of a family as Indiana basketball has been in a long time. Uh, are you feeling that on the inside? Is, is it even a situation in like the year you just went through? Do you maybe even lean more on those coaches like Coach Cliff and your teammates? Does that even help bring you guys together? Yeah, um, especially like just like how we ended the season, you know, and bringing everybody back that we did. It's like we have a group of guys that like really like each other. Like we enjoy being around each other. So um the family aspect you know we we try to you know live that and bring it to life and not just say it in the huddle and that's that's something that i'm really big on like not just like talking about it you know i you know i kind of I, I i try to live the things that i you know preach about so uh we've been you know doing that as a team and then from a coaching standpoint you know we we've all gotten a lot closer and had that year with each other and those experiences so we all um are real like comfortable around each other. And then me and Coach Walsh, you know, we had our daughters. His daughter was born two weeks before mine. So we in the same stage. So that's something that we could talk about all the time. Um I don't think his kid slept quite as well. Oh nah. Yeah. He, he <laughs> telling me all the time, like Isla won't go to sleep. Like <laughs> she she's doing she's doing a lot better now though, he told me. Good, good. Um, yeah, she she wasn't sleeping as smooth as Leilani. Not as not as at least not as early as she was. Not right. as early as sleeping through the night. When we were um we went to the Portland game, uh, which obviously ended the season, and we don't need to talk about that game because nobody wants to talk about that game. But uh ran into your dad then and got to have a conversation with him. And 
look, I hate that these conversations even come up, but this is the world that we're in where everybody can transfer whenever they want. And the transfer portal is a very real thing. And your dad just, we were, the, the, the idea came up of the transfer portal and your dad just kind of looked at me and goes, look, we don't run from adversity. That's not what we do in our family. We love Indiana and he's going to work through it and he's going to get better and we're going to win. And I was so refreshed by that because it is such the opposite of what most people do these days. Most people, I didn't get the minutes that I wanted. I didn't get the run that I wanted. I wasn't on the first unit. So I'm going to go somewhere else that's promising me that. How were you able to just kind of stay focused on the ultimate goal? And and I guess such a silly question to ask, but why did you choose to stick it here at Indiana and not do what so many other people in your position did do, which is enter the transfer portal? Um. I mean, just to piggyback off what my dad said, like, that's just not how I was raised. Like, not in any situation I've ever been in. Like, we just, I mean, that's just my nature. And then that's just, like, what my parents always taught me. Like, we don't run from tough situations. Like, you know, we 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 go back, we figure out what we could have done better. We self-reflect, we learn, and we attack it again. Like, I'm, a, I'm coming right back. Like, I'm not going, like, you know, not, just because it gets tough, that doesn't mean, you know, you you should, like you said, like your confidence should, you should lose any confidence or you you should like, you know, not believe in yourself and the team. But, you know, for me, it's just like that the transfer portal never even crossed my mind. I'm like, I'm I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm be all right. I'm, I'm going to go back, you know, figure out what it is I need to do and what the uh, coaches need for me. And, you know, I'm going to respond how I always have. You know, so I mean, I the, the the whole decision to stay was pretty easy, like because I never really thought about or talked about with my parents, like, yo, like we need to get up out of here, like, nah, like, <laughs> it's like that. That's just not me. And, and, and some, and it was funny, like people would text me and like send me messages because like I didn't post anything, like I'm coming back, I'm right. Just, People would text me all the time, like right after the season, like, yo, like Scoop, you entering the portal? Like, what's up? Like, like, nah, like you, y'all should know I'm not entering that portal. Like, it's just, and I feel like the um just the whole look on it of like, you know, he didn't play, he didn't play much in the second half of the season at Indiana, but he came back and, you know, had a you know, did with, you know, just had a had a good season and you know, he responded to it. He stayed. Like I, I did what nobody else wants to do anymore. Right. It's tough. Everybody want to run. And then you get to that situation and it's the same thing or similar. And it's like, Oh snap. Now I'm, should I have stayed where I was at? So it's like, I don't even, it's like, I, I feel like for me, just like how I was raised and like how I want to, you know, like how kind of want my journey to shake out. It's like, I like when my like when the odds are against me or my back against the wall, like because it just makes the, the story a whole lot better. Like nobody really, nobody really, everybody can talk as much as they want to, but nobody really expects me to, you know, respond how I plan to this season. So I'm gonna well, just you're, you're talking to two guys who do because we feel like we know you. <laughs> I'm sure. You. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a select few, but like <laughs> people probably thought I like you like you said like people thought I was going try you know get up out of here you got tough like nah like those are the situations i thrive in and you know a quote that 
has stuck with me my whole life. Like my dad said this to me. We were we was on the highway. We was on a, we was leaving an AAU game. I was in the sixth grade. It was me, my brother, one of my friends was in the back seat. He told us, he said, I can't remember what he was saying before that, but he said this quote. He said, Comfort is the enemy of progress. Mm. I sat there and I thought about it. I said, Comfort is the enemy of progress. So if you're comfortable, you can't get better. You're not gonna get like so. I'm like, when at the end of the season, that's all that was crossing my mind. Comfort is the enemy of progress. I'm in an uncomfortable situation. That's the only way I'm gonna get better. Mm. Go do wow. it. So, you know that that, that quote has stuck with me like forever since he since my dad said it, and we, you know, we talk all the time, and like you know. After the season, you know, obviously, like you know, we were like we 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 joke around, like you you talk to my like you talk to it, like we 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 joke all day, but yeah, came down to it, we knew what it was and where I was going to be this year. Love it. Yeah, there was there was a, a a phrase I learned my freshman year in Bloomington that has stuck with me like that. Anything worthwhile is difficult, and that always comes back to me. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to ask if this factored into your decision, because clearly there wasn't a decision, which we love, about staying at Indiana. You're just staying at Indiana. But when you and your family first got to Bloomington, and I think we were even talking on the phone once when you guys were first there, and there was just clearly this joy in the whole family of being in Bloomington and discovering this, this magical town and college. And I, I can't imagine how different the college experience is for a freshman basketball player compared to a drunk theater major. But very I do, different, very, very different, very different. But I, I do uh, wonder, is is the because you, the love for your teammates and your coaches and your family clearly, but the idea of like you are an Indiana Hoosier now. You go to IU. You live in Bloomington. Is that something that started to like settle into your bones and DNA? Just really like loving everything that is being an Indiana Hoosier. Yeah, like you know, I've already put the jersey on, went out there and ran in the candy stripes, and like I'm obviously like a part of the Hoosier family now. But I want to be a part of history as well. And mm. you know, when I found out that we were bringing a lot of the guys back and Big Fellow was coming back, it's like. I don't want to. I'm not missing that. You know, I'm not missing this. I want to be a part of a part of it because, like, you know, the the people that get talked about the most at this school and like the the basketball players get talked about the most are the teams that won. You win games, and we, you know, we put ourselves in a position to do so. But and obviously, you know, we got to continue to work and, um, you know, go out and play the games and compete with these other teams in college basketball, but. You know, I just want to be a part of something special. And I feel like that was here at Indiana. So. Uh, Love that. Yeah. You, you are somebody who respects the game. You've studied the game. You watch a lot of tape. You've watched a lot of players. And you've played when you were at IMG. You're playing in big, big matchups against top talent. But what was it like playing that Purdue game last year? What was... I mean, for somebody who loves the game of basketball, like I know you and your family do, just talk to me about that environment. It was like, it was obviously nothing I've never seen before. But like, I mean, the way, the best way I explain it to people when they ask me is like, I couldn't hear anything in warm up. That's <laughs> when I, like, we warming up, somebody right in front of me and they mouth just moving. I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, like I swear, like there was like electricity in the air, like yes, like it that the like it, it was it was crazy, like and it was it was so loud and like the environment was so crazy, like every time we was on defense, I thought we was gonna stop. I'm thinking, like I'm like. I was just like, there is literally no way we lose this game. There's no way. <laughs> like from the time we, like even I could feel the energy in the building because I work out before every game. So like when it was like when it was empty, like the little security guards, the red jackets in there, you know, setting everything up. They putting the little newspapers on all the chairs in the student section. Like I could just tell from the energy. I'm like, yeah, not tonight. Now <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all gonna have to catch us another day, but tonight. It, it just, I don't think so. It's awesome. When Rob and when Rob hits that shot, what what's it like in there? What what's the the feeling you have being a part of a victory like that in a place like that? Well, that whole game, like just watching Rob lose his mind, like <laughs> it was like it, it it felt like a movie, like because I I was on the court like when he scored a lot of those points in the first half, so it was like he just coming down, bow bow bow, and one. Bow, bow. I'm like, he is like, he's like unconscious right now. Like, but when he hit the shot, it was, it was wild. Now, Jay and Ivy almost sent to overtime. I, now, if he'd have made that, I'd have been sick because I was ready to storm the court. But yeah. <laughs> then when we got to that point, I blacked out. Like, it was like, that was a surreal moment because like, I've always seen, I've watched college basketball my whole life. So I've seen people storm the court, but like actually being in it. With my teammates and the fans, like that, that was a that was a moment I'll never forget. Love it. None of us now, now you jump from that to kind of what we've talked to several of your teammates who describe selection Sunday as a bit of a bittersweet moment that everybody was happy, obviously, to be there, but everybody expected to be there. And when you got the play-in game, I know some of your teammates have talked about a little insulted by that. And a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. How did you feel? This was your first selection Sunday as a college basketball player. What was that like for you? I mean, I came in like expecting, like, kind of. So like, when I saw Michigan was a ten seed, I'm like, okay, if they ten, we at least got to be the other ten seed or a nine, like something. Because I'm like, because we beat them, we be right. some, okay. We we should be we should have a side like solid spot like we should be good. And then when I saw her name pop up, but I ain't see no logo, I said, hold on. <laughs> I, seen what, I seen a slash. I was just like, well, I was just like, well, it ain't nothing we could do now. It's like, this is the situation we in, so we got to we gotta go win a game. We got to go to Dayton. We got to – because it's like they've already – the decision's already made. It's not getting taken back. So, obviously, we had a chip on our shoulders immediately, just like the fact they gave us the playing game. But, like, I'm pretty – like – good or like good about like just quickly realizing what a situation is and just like taking it like just taking the situation for what it is like they gave us the playing game ain't too much more we can do about it but get ready to go beat Wyoming so and in that Wyoming game was that the worst offense of basketball that you've ever seen the way Wyoming played and made it the most frustrating game of all time it was crazy like I'm like, well, it was easy for me. I'm just standing in the corner. Like, my guy's not even moving. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, they're coming down every time, and he's going from 
three point line to the he's trying to he's posting up from the three point line like yeah. every. I'm like, is this real? Like, <laughs> I, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, is he? Are they really doing this right now? Like, do y'all think he's gonna win the game? <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, you know what? Y'all do what y'all, do whatever y'all need to do. We just gonna get up out of here and go to go fly to Portland. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to keep posting up with? It, it, it was weird. It was just weird. Like, cause I'm yeah. like, I'm used to guarding actions and like chasing guys off of pin downs and getting over ball screen. So it's like my man just standing in the corner, not moving. And he's <laughs> one-on-one. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was like doing what I was supposed to be doing. I'm like, right. I, right. Like, You're like, shouldn't I, I move? Aren't I supposed I, to move at some point? Coach should didn't prepare move? you for should that. I, should I be, should I be helping? Should I go trap? So, I mean, but like we, I mean, we, we cleared it all up and like talked about it in the huddle, but it was, yeah, that was crazy. I that was I've never seen nothing like that. Not even on TV. You you mentioned going into the tournament with a chip on your shoulder because of the the seating BS. Um, but and and I would say even for a large majority of last season, uh, depending on the b- opponent, you guys were often considered underdogs, unproven, new pieces, new coach. Uh it's a different story. It has been since last season ended, really. As soon as as the big guy decided he was coming back, suddenly a big bullseye has been on the Indiana jersey. And, you know, all, all the talking heads, the pundits have said, you guys are the Big Ten favorites. Does that noise get in at all? If it does, does it at all affect your mentality one way or the other? Are you just the exact same in your your preparation and your mindset, or or does somehow it change because you know you're you're the hunted instead of the hunters? Well, for it doesn't change for me at all. Like I like really don't like the preseason rankings and like just like all this like hype and because it's just like that's when guys like get comfortable like oh yeah like we rank this and that i don't even look at any of it but um it's like we ranked here i'm like well it don't matter because if we go out and stink the court up we're not gonna be ranked no more so it's kind of (laughs) like you know for me it's just like continuing to for me and the team you know, we don't even talk about that that stuff. It's like, because, you know, we still got to go out there and play the games. We got to put the work in and, you know, put our best foot forward when it's time to tip the ball up. So, you know, the it, it is nice to be recognized as a team. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like we still got to go prove that we are what we say we are. And, you know, we brought Trace back and we didn't bring him back for no reason. You know, he came back to, you know, help us win at a high level. So, you know. I- expectations are good like it's it's good to have expectations and you know i live like i live for it like just like to live up to them and 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 exceed those expectations kind of do more than what people expected but um it doesn't really i mean doesn't really affect you know my work too much it's like because you know we still gotta you know be locked in and and you know ready to go as a group because everybody else in the country is working so you know we got to outwork them and you know be ready to just be ready to go because i i have to imagine coach yeah like he's the he's a voice in there 
who's often reminding you guys that you haven't done anything yet, right? Isn't isn't that his line? Yeah, so like hey, there is no getting comfortable or, you know, thinking about any of that because Coach Yago reminds you every day, like, we ain't – we like, we got blown out by 30 the last game. Like, yeah, like, we do got a target on our back, but it's like we still ain't – we haven't won any games. Like, yeah, the preseason rankings is cute. Like, it's cool and all, but it's like we still got to go play a whole season and, you know, continue to, you know, take – the right steps in the right direction to winning how we want to, you know, accomplishing the goals that we've set out for ourselves as a team. So, you know, we, we know it's a long season. I feel like we're doing all the right things simply because we have an older team, like guys mm-hmm. already, you know, experience like entire seasons together. And whether it was like, obviously like before I got here and like last year, but it's like, you know, we understand that it's a long season and that we have to go out and compete every night and be ready to play every night, especially when you got a number next to your name because, like, we can attest to this as a team. You know, when we were playing a ranked opponent, we was fired up. Mm-hmm. We were ready to go because we want to crack that top 25. So it's like our focus and our intensity has to exceed everybody that we play because everybody want to knock us off. Whether the other team is ranked or not, it's like – you know, everybody want to say they caught a dub on us, whether it was on at at Assembly Hall or on the road. But yeah, that's what playing at Indiana is. Yeah. So. Um, I I want to ask you something that Ward and I talked about before uh, you got on. I, I don't know if you saw the latest video of Coach Woody uh, with NBA players when when he went to Indianapolis when the Knicks came in and Julius Randle and other players are coming up and hugging on Woody and he's grabbing their head and they're smiling, having a good time. And we just talked about how that's not the first time we've seen that, that clearly Woody has a way of building a relationship with players for somebody who's now played for him for more than a year, you know, and, and been in practices with him for almost a year and a half. Now, what is it about him that allows players to develop those kinds of relationships with him? Um, I would say, Probably the main thing is that, you know, he's a he's a player's coach. Like, you know, obviously, like, he played the game and, you know, he understands. Like, it was in a different time, but, like, he still understands, you know, what goes into it and all the work that we put in. But other than that, you know, it's like it's a fine line between, like, him getting on you and then, like, him loving on you. Like, you know, and, and, and you know, it's to the point to where, like, you know, with him, like, you can't even really, like, take anything personal because he means good by everything, like – like when he like we just know that like he he always has good intentions mm. and he's obviously always thinking long term and he wants to help everybody out and he wants to win like and he he played here like we got on the same jersey that he got on so like we kind of like we understand like the passion that he has for coaching here and coaching his team and you know wanting to win at a high level so it's like you know we all a part of the same family and you know, he's, he's such a, like, he, 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 he a real dude. So it's like, he's going to keep it a hundred with you. And then he going to have, yeah, he, he, he know how to have a good time. Like he, you know, he got jokes. Today. He got his little old man jokes. <laughs> <laughs> old man jokes, but <laughs> he, uh, yeah. But you know, we all, we, we, we work hard for him and I, I could see why, you know, those guys that he coached with the Knicks and uh, the other teams, why they love him yeah. so much. 
Well, and when you, you talk about the IU family and guys who have worn the same jersey, no secret that Coach Woodson has brought a lot of those guys back into the fold. Are any guys in particular who have come through, talked to you guys, been around for a practice or a game? Um, anybody in particular who's uh, who said something or, or just sort of inspired you to, to take that much more joy and honor and, and even the seriousness of playing for Indiana that like somebody who had an impact on you by coming through and, and saying hi to the team? Um, DJ White was just there the other day. And then uh, Big Ray Tober, he was there. He 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 comes through all the time. But I would say, um, you know, Ray, um, just like obviously, like every time he talks to us, it's like, like in all seriousness, like it's like it's not no like jokes because it's like you know he won championships here and you know he just he knows what it takes to win, so it's like. You know, kind of just, I mean, I would say, like, what he says, like, to the team, like, sticks with us. But, you know, when we talk to him personally and just, like, you know, how much he really knows, like, he really knows who we are. Like, it's like, it's not just like, oh, I'm coming back to my old school. I'm going to go talk to the team. You know, every player by their first name, like, you know, he, you know, he, he really cares about Indiana basketball. So it's just like, you know, when he sit there and, you know, he, we got, we sitting down after practice and, you know, he tell me, you know, you know, like, just, stay confident, keep working. Like, you know, I'm, I'm watching, you know, I, I see, I see what you're doing and like, I know you, you can really help the team. Like, mm. it's like the fact that like him and the other alumni are so invested in just like, and, and obviously like supporting from afar, like, and we wouldn't know just cause like, they're not always here every day, but like they know what's going on. So, you know, just the love that he shows us and, um, you know, just how invested he is in the team is, is big time. That's great. Favorite restaurant in Bloomington? Favorite restaurant? I'm a ah I, I mean I'm a I'm gonna have to go Malibu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to go Malibu. What uh, you order? What do you order at Malibu? I get the steak and shrimp, mm. beans, mashed potatoes. Just keep same thing every time. I don't even I don't even play around. I get this. Hey, shrimp. once you find the right one, all right, good. The shrimp. Um, you know, when you're having a cheat day, what dessert are you going to get in Bloomington? Um, I don't like, I mean, I don't get dessert like from like a Bloomington only restaurant. I don't know. I'd probably go like to insomnia or something and go get some yeah. cookies. Like I don't, yeah, really, I, I don't really know any of the desserts that like, you ever, that I, sense. you ever do baked baked has great cookies. I have got I have gotten baked. I don't know if um Coach Hunter's daughter still goes here, but she worked there last oh, year. Oh really? She oh. worked there last year. So yeah, I yeah, we we went in there a few times. <laughs> so so did we at like three AM. I hope we didn't embarrass ourselves in front of Coach Kenya's daughter, which is like, y'all probably, probably would have knew. Y'all, y'all, y'all would have knew y'all probably would have knew it was it was his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, she, I don't know. We're pretty we're pretty out of our minds when we enter what, what, at 3 a.m. She might have known it was us and made sure she didn't mention that she was yeah. Coach Hunter's daughter. Um, <laughs> least favorite class you've taken at Indiana? Well, I hope none of my professors watch this podcast. <laughs> they don't. I promise you. <laughs> uh, nah, I would say probably the, it's a class I got right now. It's at 8 a.m. It's a sense of place class. It's like, what, we, we, what is it? A uh, sense of place. 
What does that mean? Dog, it's like <laughs> we we be having like classes like outside, like like it's like an outdoor like major. Like I, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's like we obviously we had too many more classes outside because it's getting cold, but it's like man, like the fact that it's at eight too. Uh sense you, of place. Sense, sense of place one on one. You um there's one guy on the team you absolutely don't want to be roommates with for whatever reason. Messy rude smelly smelly who's the who's who's the last person you're rooming with man the last person i'm rooming with is definitely logan <laughs> <laughs> hey I, I mean i don't i i probably i probably wouldn't be the i probably that i probably wouldn't be the only one who and yeah, no, I, I think that we've heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's probably why I laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a good one. Um, you're in West Lafayette, the shithole of the country, and you've just beaten Purdue by 20, and it's just you in a dark alley outside of the stadium, nobody else around, and a couple goons from Purdue show up. They want to cause trouble. You got to pick one person on your team to be in this fight with you. Who you picking? I'm I'm going with X. Yes. Mm. X is a dog, right? He's got that dog in him. Yeah, me, yeah, me and X. We yeah, we we handle that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, um, wait, wait, one yeah, more. You sure. you guys have to you have to nominate one player. It's gonna go on America's Got Talent. Who's the player and what's their talent? It can be you. Um, I love how thoughtful you are. You're really trying to dig in on this. Mm -hmm. Or the team lacks any talent outside of basketball. Uh, I I say Mill. You throw him on America's Got Talent. He got he got a few magic tricks. He can oh, okay, good. I like Miller doing magic. Mill got a Mill got a few tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, I like literally. it. Uh, all right. Before we let you go, the season is fast approaching, and while last year you had incredible big moments like the Purdue game, you had some personal big moments. Nebraska, St. John's, other Michigan State, you had a big game, Fan Fest. Fan fest, of course, but the schedule this year is bonkers. I mean, you get to play in venues and in games. That is the dream of college basketball fans and players, but you are from Kansas city, Kansas, which is not too far from Lawrence, Kansas. I imagine you grew up with a lot of people that went to KU. You got a lot of friends that go to KU. Do you have that one circled to go into Lawrence? play at Fog Allen and see what happens? Uh, I'd be lying if I said no. Right. So it's like, I I mean, we I'm excited for every game, but like, yeah, like that's just one, like, you know, I haven't been able to play at home yet. So it's like, you know, that I'm, I'm, I am pretty excited to uh, go back home and 
handle our business in uh Allen Fieldhouse, but um and I'm more so excited because like the people that know me, they they're gonna be outside their mind, so they're gonna kind of forget how I'm wired and like talk crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it's and it's only gonna help myself and the team. So I I'm, like it. I am I am excited for that one. Real quick though, are you lifting weights while we do this? What is this thing that keeps flying into frame? That's the mic, right? Is that the mic? Oh, I thought I thought he was like doing curls while we're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listen, Scoop. We fell in love with you the moment we talked to you for the very first time, and then we were fortunate enough to get to know you a little bit more. Had dinner with you and your family, your dad. And then I've gotten to see your dad and mom at various games throughout the year. And you and I and Ward have talked many occasions. We just love you, man. I mean, you know, and while I love hearing that it was never even a decision for you to come back to Indiana, because we're fans in this world, we're worried that everybody's going to leave. And when we knew you were coming back and I had that conversation with your dad, I told Ward about it right away. It just made us so happy because we see how much work you put in. We've seen you at practice. We've seen you go work out, like I said, in the Bahamas when there was no practice. You are just everything we want to root for in an Indiana basketball player. And beyond that, you're just a good dude. And we love you, and we're so happy for you and Leilani to be part of the Hoosier family. And we got your back, and and I'm telling you, man, you got a lot of people behind you that know what you're capable of and are excited to see it. Yes, so sir. you keep working hard. We'll keep rooting like crazy. And uh, ultimately, you will be part of Indiana history that's remembered very fondly. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Good luck to you, sir. And please give your family our very best. Yes, sir. That was a guest. That was a guest. I mean, I wrote down a couple things he said throughout, Ward, because he is such a thoughtful guy. You know, like he really thinks about his answers and really tries to find the truth that he's trying to reach for. You know what I mean? In the yeah. answer, he's he's really trying to nail it for himself. It's like you could see him going through the whole team before picking Logan. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Do I want that? Oh, but Logan's real stinky. So let's go there. I just, I love when he said, I'm part of Indiana University. I'm a Hoosier, but I want to be part of history. Yeah. You know, and I just thought that it is the way he was raised. I mean, his dad looked at me a little crazy when I brought up the transfer portal. And he's like, we don't run from adversity. Like, you know, and he said very similar things to what Scoop said. We looked at ourselves. What can we do better? How can we help the team? Yeah. And I have to say there is, there is no doubt that he still has that confidence that you and I loved and thought like this guy's a gamer. But there is also, I think, with having a kid, being a year and a half older than the first time we talked to him going through college, going through some hardship. There is, I don't even want to say it's a humility, but there is like more of a grounded confidence than I sensed when we first talked to him, when he was just a high ranking high school kid. Well, he's growing up before our eyes. Yeah. It's like the growth he's gone through in everything we talked about in, in that conversation with him. It's like, it's real life stuff. It's very real life stuff. And, and I do, I think when we, 
where was it somewhere over off of Ventura Boulevard in the in the in the valley and we were we were talking about he'd read the Mamba mentality and that was his guy but then he just watched uh the Jordan documentary on ESPN and it was it was so basketball and and obviously his family being such an incredible support system to to help him realize this potential as a basketball player but all of that just uh, expanded to such a degree with the loss of his uncle, the birth of his daughter, and and to see, and if people were watching this, they can see it in the video, but it probably comes through in audio as well of just like, oh shit, like what just happened to me? Meaning his freshman year, like what I you was know, in a storm, I, and and you know that's he's, what he said, and and because you know his father's an educator, uh, I'll say it for him, it was a shit storm, you know, like you're yeah. not gonna hear him say that, but like what a whirlwind, and I think it's like anything else when you you come out of s- s- such a trial, and and you survive, well then that that confidence so organically grows. It's not just like repeating a mantra to oh, yourself. It's yeah. like, oh, I survived that. Like, oh, now now it's like I'm I'm just like on on this whole new level of knowing what I can endure as a human being. Yeah, oh, and I like how he said, or the other way. You know, it goes one of two ways, and he wasn't going to let it go the other way. Yeah, you and know, he was. And, and that's, that's a testament to him and the support system and how he was raised and his mental strength. Mental but I strength. did love how he articulated when you're in it, you are just trying, like, I'm not going to use the shit storm metaphor, but when you're in a storm, you're just trying to stay dry. You know, like you're just, whatever is in front of you, you're grabbing at. But then it's when you get out that you can kind of take stock. And I mean, just the way he took stock of like what, I didn't play in the second half of games is not the coach's fault. It's I'm not good enough to help the team win. Shit. What do I need to do more of? Okay. I need to get my body right because I, my body wasn't right to withstand the physical, the physicality of college basketball and specifically the big 10. I better get that right first. Okay. Check that off. I better get my shooting right. Cause I got to get up to 40, 42%. Okay. I've got to be a playmaker and the team is going to use me as a backup point guard. I better get comfortable with that. Like, I just love the, he's, fo- he's a focused dude and, and he's focused now for more than just himself. And it's a testament twofold to coach Woodson about what he's done with this program in such short order that one, you recruit that kid and you get him. And then two, uh, because of who the kid is and because of the program you're now building and have created, it doesn't even enter the kid's mind to turn tail and run. And it's really special because we are, we're so conditioned now to be so concerned about folks taking off. And, and obviously as, as we got through the transfer portal uh, sort of melee that happens, the shakeup at the end of a season. And when the dust settled, all of our key pieces were coming back along with this infusion of freshman talent. It's like, whoa, okay. Like Woody really is like building a love monster here. Like, you know, uh, it's a love monster because it it is clearly, it's one thing to be good in the room a time or two with the folks and say the right things and have the swag and the resume to get somebody to say yes. But then to have them show up and things not be all puppy dogs and ice cream and, and for them to all of them, 
And look, the, the whole season was full of ups and downs, you know, throughout. And for them all to say like, no, we want it, it's it's again, you got to give so much credit to Coach Woodson, but it's also like the players he's retained in these first couple of seasons and the ones that he's brought in are all a part of that. And and it's very clear. Like, I don't I don't like to lead that question too much. Like, hey, do you guys really like each other? And I don't I don't think I really did on this one. I, I wanted him to say that, but I wanted it to be on him to come up with that. And right. he was just like, yeah, we really like being around each other. And it's, you know, how, how can you not root for a, a bunch of guys who are rooting for each other? And they're not all out there for themselves. And I will tell you, you know, when we talk to the legacy players, the name besides Bobby Knight that comes up more than anyone is Tim Garl, right? Sure. We've heard that name over and over again. We know how important Tim Garl was and is to the culture of Indiana basketball. For all the players that have we have talked to in the last six years, well, five years, Archie's four, the name that comes up more than any other name is Cliff Marshall. For sure. I mean, we hear it over and over and over again, whether it's being with somebody and taking them to the grocery store, teaching them how to fish, you know, going to church with them, mm -hmm. you know, having conversations with them. And again, Tamar brings them up. I think that when you talk about that culture that you just articulated, it's not on just one guy. One guy can't create a culture. You know, you're not around the players enough. You don't have that much time, but your assistants have more time. Your recruiting coordinators do. And your strength and conditioning coach spends more time with those guys than probably anyone, especially because in the offseason, he's the one that isn't really limited to hours. Yeah. He can work with them all the time. Cliff Marshall is so important to this program and to these kids. Like, forget wins and losses for a second, even though in the end, that's what we need. But, well, we don't need the losses. We just need the wins. Correct. But, but he is meaningful to these young men's lives in a way that should not be taken for granted. We've heard it here, here over and over again. I just want to make sure we point that out. And Tamar brought it up again, you know, and, and I, 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 I commend Cliff. We we've loved getting to know Cliff a little bit, even when he works us out in, in <laughs> beach, Bloomington beach. That's sadistic SOB. Yeah. No, yeah. it's one where like, if we're, we're, you know, infiltrating cook hall, trying not to get kicked out and coach cliff, you know, you catch his eye and he just, the positivity just beams like from a hundred feet away, the smile and the eyes. And, and I do, I think, you know, I think you hear about that. Uh, I've never had a personal trainer, so I don't know, but there is like your, your half physical trainer, half psychological counselor. Like you yeah, just, I mean, I had a personal trainer. He fired me. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> he said, this is not going to work. Um, but I want to loop back around to another name mentioned of Ray Tolbert. Because oh, loved hearing that like and and we loved having Ray on the show and getting to know what a special human being he is and and Ray's career at IU it was before our our memories were formed and we certainly learned and appreciate uh, what he brought to the court as an Indiana Hoosier but it's like I primarily think of Ray as like this great human being and to know that he's yeah that like slapping that bass man I gotta hear him play that bass going yeah. down the dorm floor and cheering up you know Landon or whoever um that 
to 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 go back to when like Woody's hired and like this is going to bring the family back together and I don't want to just be like okay check mark done let's not appreciate that or celebrate that let's continue to enjoy hearing somebody like Scoop talk about how meaningful it is to have a real relationship with somebody like Ray and when you hear about the Dukes and the North Carolinas and how much it's it's a part of that family and the the continuity and that when all those guys are out on the court playing this season that it, it, that they're 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 carrying those guys in their hearts to, to steal a phrase from Scoop, who talked about what it means to have Leilani in his life versus before, it just puts more gas in the tank. More fuel on the fire. You know, he it just, it just does. When you have a connection to the people that built the thing before, and you see how much it means to them, and it's no longer just about the box score, but it's about something more. It's about living up to ideals and standards that other people have set for you and that millions of people find meaning in. It just puts more gas in the tank. And that, I think, uh, I loved hearing that about Ray. And when when that's all coming from the coach, like that, again, totally unsolicited scoops talking about how much IU basketball and its success – means to coach Woodson and and he's bringing in all his old teammates and other former players and how much it means to them right the well both past players and then infusing that into current players because look we know when coach Knight comes back for the first time in 20 years and you've got your effing players in the locker room talking about how you can somehow play worse in the second half against Purdue you're missing half of the fucking point Totally. It was something that Archie never understood at Indiana, never saw value in, never saw value in. And Coach Woody does, obviously. And I loved how he talked about Ray, that Ray knew ever, knows everybody's name. Yeah. That he actually knows them. And, it's and that, not just bullshit, cliche, pandering stuff. He follows it. He knows it. Well, and, and the way Scoop put it was like, Ray will say, hey, I'm watching you. I know what you're doing. And it's one thing for ward and eric to be like hey we love the work you're putting in and we know the great potential that you're gonna realize with this that's fine i'm sure it you know they don't mind a couple of jackasses telling them that but when it's coming from somebody like ray tolbert and and if you are ever having that moment of doubt but you know ray's uh, sitting behind the bench or he's at home watching you on TV or he's talking to Woody and hearing about the time you're putting in and he knows that and believes in that and you, I mean, come on. How does that not help you not only become a better basketball player but just a, a better human being because you have all these great people filling you with their belief and love? It just puts more gas in the tank. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but uh, sometimes, sometimes why? Oh, wow. You went quick. But sometimes why? Sometimes, but sometimes why? Sometimes why? Sometimes why? See you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We 
we won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.